0: I've got this article that I've had for a good while, and it's by Dr. Eddie Hyatt, and it's uh, the Christian history of Thanksgiving. I just like it because uh, he succinctly uh, characterizes what happened at Thanksgiving, and then follows it through the years of time in the United States. It really is a special holiday, and it is a it is a Christian holiday, particularly because God was in the formation of our country. And I want to read this. Second reason I want to read it is there's a there's a re, uh, history is being revised. Uh, constantly, and it's really, really sad to see you've got to find a history book. I don't even know what date to say, 1950 or before, maybe way before that now, uh, that's not revised in really strange ways, and they skew the actual facts of what took place at the founding of our country to make it look like we were just real boogers and mean people. It's not the case. There were Christians looking for looking looking to uh, advance the Christian faith here so anyway I'll read some of that so that's the reason I want to read this and I encourage if you have children grandchildren you know take some time to really read the true thanksgiving story to them but they're in public schools they're not getting that and just be aware of that uh, I was you know I my, my school years and early years were in the 1960s so it was still kind of you know we still celebrated a lot of the things that we know and understand it. Made it uh, Thanksgiving Day a great day. So, anyway, this is the Christian history of Thanksgiving. So, I'm just going to, can I read? Will y'all listen if I read? Thank you. So, here it is America's national Thanksgiving holiday is rooted in the nation's Christian origins and the habits of its first immigrants to set aside. Special days for giving thanks to God for his goodness and blessings. This custom can be traced back to the pilgrims who landed at Cape Cod in November of 1620. Who periodically would set aside days in which to offer gratitude to God for his mercy and blessings. This custom was carried out on, on by succeeding generations and found its way into the national consciousness and calendar. And then he mentions the first Thanksgiving. The pilgrims who landed on Cape Cod in November of 1620 were devout followers of Christ who had left the comforts of home, family, and friends to pursue their vision of a renewed and reformed Christianity. That's not in the history books today. They were not whiners, but chose to maintain an attitude of gratitude even through the most trying times, such as the winter of 1620 through 21, when sickness ravaged their community and half of them, about 50 were taken away in death. The first Thanksgiving was celebrated by the pilgrims as uh, after they um, gathered in their harvest in the fall of 1621, about one year after their landing at Cape Cod. Although their hearts were still heavy from the losses suffered from the previous winter, there were at least three areas for which they felt particularly grateful to God. One, with the arrival of spring, the sickness had immobilized the community and taken many of them in death um, That sickness had lifted. Their health returned. Although sadness from their losses, they were able to apply themselves uh, to carving out a home in the New England wilderness. To the arrival of spring, God providentially sent to them an English-speaking Native American squanto who became their interpreter and guide, helping them establish friendly relations with Massasoit, uh, chief of the Wampanoag, the nearest and most powerful tribe in their region. In the March of 1621, uh, they had signed an agreement of peace and mutual aid with Massasoit, which resulted in both peoples moving freely back and forth in friendship and trade. Third reason they were thankful, though uh, through hard work and Squanto's advice about farming and fishing, they were mostly townspeople and craftsmen. They experienced abundant harvest during the summer and fall of 1621. Even though they still felt the loss of so many friends and family members, they could see God's hands of mercy sustaining them in the Preceding months. So, after gathering in their fall harvest, which was abundant, Governor William Bradford designated a day of thanksgiving during which they would pause to offer up thanks to God for his mercy and blessings. They were not whiners, they knew what it meant to count their blessings. Uh, The first Thanksgiving was attended by an approximate equal number of English pilgrims and Native Americans after Governor Bradford announced the day of Thanksgiving, word of the event soon spread to their Native American friends. So when the day arrived, not only were their individual natives on hand, but Massasoit arrived with 90 of his people, five dressed deer to add uh, to the meals the pilgrims had prepared. The pilgrims did not seek to force their faith on the Indians, but neither did they hide their faith. After all, in the Mayflower Compact, they had stated that they had come to the new world for the glory of God, and for the advancement of the Christian faith. One can only imagine the emotions that fill their hearts as in the presence of their new Native American friends. They joined Elder William Brewster in lifting up their hearts in praise and thanksgiving to God. They, 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 the day turned out to be more than they could have imagined. Not only did they enjoy meals together with thankful hearts, but they engaged in shooting matches, foot races, wrestling matches. Uh, it was such an enjoyable time uh, that one of the that the one day of thanksgiving was extended for three full days. And yes, it is almost certain that there was turkey at the first thanksgiving for Governor Bradford had sent out four men to hunt for fowl who returned with enough fowl to last them an entire week. The next recorded thanksgiving day among the pilgrims was celebrated in the fall of 1623 after a remarkable answer to prayer that saved their harvests governor bradford tells how the summer of 1623 was unusually hot with no rain whatsoever as the blazing sun beat down day after day the land became became parched and the corn their primary staple uh, began to dry up along with other vegetables they had planted alone in the new england wilderness it, it looked as though hunger would be their lot in the days ahead and maybe starvation it was a very critical moment in time Facing such drought and bleak conditions, Bradford called the Plymouth settlement to a day of humiliation and prayer. By humiliation, uh, he did not mean a groveling or self-flagellation, but a recognition and repentance for the human tendency to trust one's own human strength and ability rather than in God. Their day of humiliation and prayer began like many, uh, the many preceding days, very hot with not a single cloud in the sky. But before the day was over, God gave them, Bradford said, a gracious and speedy answer both to their own and the Indians' admiration that lived amongst them. Bradford goes on to say, For all the morning and the greatest part of the day, it was clear weather and very hot, not a cloud of any sign, a cloud or any sign of rain to be seen. Yet towards evening, it began to overcast, and shortly after, to rain with such sweet and gentle showers as gave them cause of rejoicing and blessing God. It came without wind or thunder or any violence, and by degrees in that abundance as the earth was thoroughly wet and soaked, which did so apparently revive and quicken the decayed corn and other fruits as was wonderful to see and made the Indians astonished to behold. Then afterwards the Lord sent them such seasonable showers with interchange of fair weather as through his blessing caused a fruitful and liberal harvest Uh, to their no small comfort in rejoicing, for which mercy and time convenient, they also set apart a day of thanksgiving. These days of thanksgiving were observed by succeeding generations, but at various times in different places as deemed appropriate and necessary by the local inhabitants. As the colonists began to form themselves into a nation, these days of thanksgiving began to be nationalized and made part of the national consciousness and calendar. For example, the Continental Congress, which met between 1774 and 1789, issued several calls for days of humiliation, prayer, and thanksgiving. The first one was to be observed on November 28, 1782. The proclamation reads in part, "...it being the indispensable duty of all nations, not only to offer up their supplications to Almighty God, the giver of all good, for His gracious assistance in times of distress," but also in solemn and public manner to give him praise for his goodness in general and especially for great and signal interpositions of his providence in their behalf. Therefore, the United States in Congress assembled do hereby recommend to the inhabitants of these states in general to observe and request the several states to interpose their authority in appointing and commanding the observance of Thursday, the 28th day of November, next as a day of solemn thanksgiving to God for all of his mercies. And they do further recommend to all ranks to testify their gratitude to God for His goodness by cheerful obedience to His laws and by promoting each in His station and by His influence the practice of true and undefiled religion, which is, is the great foundation of public prosperity and national happiness. Shortly after being sworn in as president. George Washington issued a proclamation. Designating November 26th 1789. As a day of thanksgiving. Wherein all citizens should offer gratitude to God. For his protection care. And many blessings. It was the first thanksgiving designated. By the new national government of the United States. These procl- the proclamation reads in part. Whereas it is the duty of all nations. To acknowledge the providence of almighty God to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness." Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to uh, be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that was good, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his care and protection of the people of this country, and also that we may unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such, as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord. Given under my hand at the city of New York the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789, a day of thanksgiving to be observed on the last Thursday of November was proclaimed by Abraham Lincoln in 1863 in the midst of the Civil War. In spite of the fact that the nation was at war, Lincoln enumerated the many reasons the inhabitants of America had Uh, had for being thankful to God. He wrote, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed uh, to me fit and proper that these blessings should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly do Him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national Perseverance and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the fulfillment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. The final Thursday in November set by President Lincoln continued to be observed observed Thanksgiving until December 26, 1941 when President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed a joint resolution of Congress changing the national Thanksgiving Day from the last Thursday, in November, to the fourth Thursday. And then this author, Eddie Hyatt, has uh, some concluding thoughts examining the history and development of our Thanksgiving holiday makes us realize how far as a nation We've removed ourselves from the Christian worldview and the faith of our founders. This Thanksgiving day, our president will go through a silly formality and pardon a turkey, but the depth of faith seen in earlier, pro- earlier proclamations such as those by Washington and Lincoln is glaringly missing. This is why we must pray for another great spiritual awakening in our land. In spite of the fact that Thanksgiving has become secularized, commercialized, we as Christians must never forget that the day is rooted in the commitment of our forefathers and foremothers to maintain a thankful heart, even through the most painful and challenging times. So this Thanksgiving, let's count our blessings, name them one by one, and it'll surprise you what the Lord has done. I thought it was a really good article. And uh, you know, it's just on my heart tonight. Um, uh, we are in a place in America that in my life we've never been, and uh, we are in some ways at war with ourselves. We're at war with what we think and believe, and um, and there are, there are values that are seeking to be placed upon us that, that do not fit the origin of this nation. And, uh, and we find ourselves in great conflict and turmoil. And, and, and wow, really, uh, I've never seen a, uh, none of us have seen a, a presidential election, the likes of which we're going through at the moment, which is not yet settled. And uh, uh, it's not yet determined exactly how it's going to turn out. It could be, it could be that Biden becomes president. It could be that that uh, uh, Donald Trump becomes president for a second term, we just don't yet know. Either way, I can see great conflict. I want you to hear me: great discord uh, in the streets of our nation, and and what I feel, I don't, I don't feel good about it. And can I just be real with you? Don't forget that Second Corinthians seven fourteen wasn't written to us; it was written to the Israelites, and who who had forsaken God, who had begun to worship idols, who had who had who had put other things in the place that God alone uh, deserved in their lives. And God said to them, if my people, called by my name, not, not, not people that know no, know, my people, called by my name will pray and humble themselves and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways. He said, I would hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal, our, uh, heal their land. So, um, you know, I was just thinking, uh, we, we really have... I don't like to say these things, but it's nonetheless true. We've become a nation of idolaters. And, and though we don't have physical idols, I've been, to, I've been to lands where there are physical idols on every street corner. And uh, it's, it's hard to see those things and hard to, to see people uh, laying lays of flowers and, and little fruits and apples and oranges and things at the feet of a, of a wooden idol or a metal idol. Um, it's also sad... To live in a nation that once uh, that was founded upon Christian principles, and the principles that all men are created, that all of us are equals before God, and that all of us are in need of a Savior, and the very the very foundation of our Constitution, with its three separate branches, gives witness to the fact that without God, we're a broken people, and that just makes me weep. We don't recognize our sin. We never talk about sin. We never talk about violating the laws of a, of a holy God anymore. Even churches don't preach a whole lot about sin. And hence, here we are as a nation. And we're, we've become a nation of idolaters who feel that we deserve, we deserve the things that we have. And if you, what we just read, none of the pilgrims felt they deserved anything. George Washington, the first president, he didn't feel like that he deserved anything anything Abraham Lincoln years later he didn't feel that we deserved anything they were just grateful to God in the midst of difficult circumstances for his goodness and mercy we're a nation of idols in that you know we really worship mammon we worship money we worship things as long as the money supplies good we're happy and uh, so we vote for the person that can fill our pockets with gold silver dollar bills and such and and we're also a nation of great self-centeredness. We have uh, replaced God with idols, really not necessarily made with our own hands, but they're of our own origin. We, we, uh, we worship money. Uh, we worship our individuality in America. We're, we're very, we've become extremely self-centered. And because of our self-centeredness, we feel that we deserve certain things that God says is sin. And uh, and we've taken the sexuality that God placed within us at um, at creation, and we've perverted that to become a sensual, self-centered, aggrandizement of personal desire and wishes instead of something to be used for the glory of God in the sacred bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. And we flaunted all of these things in the face of God. And now, because we so value our individuality, can I get real? because we so value our individuality and we want to do what we want to do and we want the right to do what, what we want to do, then if, if what we want to do creates a baby, then we want the right to kill that baby because that gets in the way of us doing what we want to do. And my friends, God is extremely just. And you, know, you know, in my studies, I've been to three schools of learning, and I'm constantly studying. But the deepest sin is self-centeredness. And it's the self-centeredness that's turned us upon ourselves. And I'm concerned that here in America, the blessings that God granted our forefathers, because they did come here for religious freedom, regardless of what others may tell you. Because they were looking for freedoms, freedom Freedom of life, liberty as the Constitution said, pursuit of happiness. We all want that. We're going to lose our freedoms. God's also just. And as as I was going to say in my studies, you know, it just takes one sin to keep a person out of heaven. It was one sin that kept Adam, that that, that caused Adam and Eve to have to leave that beautiful garden called Eden. It was one sin that uh, caused the curse to come upon Cain as he slew his brother Abel. It was one sin that caused the, the man who touched the Ark of the Covenant in a way God demanded, my presence is there, I'm holy and you're not. You touch the Ark, you die. He lost his life for one sin. It's one sin that kept Saul from being king over Israel for an extended period of time. So I, when I think about it in those terms, it's one sin. It's my sin. It keeps me out of heaven. But you know, it's one Savior it's God's mercy and it's God's grace that is poured out on us that keeps us from, from inheriting judgment and keeps us on the side of grace and mercy. Aren't you glad? In our nation, we've forgotten all of that. And now we demand, we're so demanding of our rights. I've got to have it my way. And here we are at each other's throats. And it's such a sad thing. And now truth has turned into an admixture of, um, of rhetoric uh, and twisted, twisted facts in, entangled with lies. And we're surrounded with it every day. And now we're giving our freedoms away. And we're afraid to leave our homes. Why is all this happening? Could it be? Because we forgot to be as a whole a grateful nation. I know in the room I'm preaching to the choir because you know, we're grateful people here. But you know the people around us. We have to be examples to them, and um, God has a lot of mercy. But we're living in a time just before Jesus returns. The time before Jesus returns is epitomized by judgment and nature itself turning turning against humanity because of its pride and its refusal to acknowledge God. And they'll eventually end up with God driving to the inheritance the inhabitants of the earth away and Jesus coming back. God doesn't want it to be that way, but thank God for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So I just want to encourage you. I don't know how this uh, presidential thing, a lot of people have prophesied how it's going to end end up. I think it's got a few more weeks to go. And um, we're at each other's. Everybody's upset. Everybody feels the angst. Everybody feels what we don't have, which is peace. They feel the lack of it. And everybody has, we're internalizing all of this. and We're mostly staying in our homes away from each other. We can't even see our smiles anymore. Well, I don't know about you. I just want to pray for our nation. Can we do that? And forgive me if I cry. because I was born here. I'm a, I'm a son of the soil. I love this country. My wife and I have four children. By February, we'll have eight grandchildren. What are they going to grow up in? What are they going to have? Do I care? Or do we care? And so I'm extremely concerned. Jesus is coming back. And it's time for all of us to get our priorities right. And seek first the kingdom of God. Instead of the kingdom of me. So, dear Father God, we just take a moment. Lord, I don't think I've ever felt the way I feel today. The veil that hides our future, one man says, woven by the hand of mercy, sir. So, you don't show us everything at once because our humanness couldn't handle it. But Lord, I come to you and and we as believers tonight as we celebrate thanksgiving, we're going to take communion. We're thinking about what you've done in our nation. Lord, first of all, can we just say thank you for your many blessings on us as, as, as people, as families. All of us in this room, all of us watching. Could have been a different story. You could have left us to our own ways to perish without you in our sin, and our shame. For many of us, for me, I don't think I would have lived. Many of my friends have gone on to their eternity, but you've left me here. So Lord, we just want to say thank you. Could you take a moment yourself? Thank you for our, our personal life with you. Thank you for the privilege of fellowship with you. Thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. Could you play something on the piano just softly? Thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, giving his life. Thank you for him coming and, and uh, being tempted at all points like as we are. Thank you for him becoming a human, being raised the way we're raised, growing up in a human body, facing all of the challenges we face, but he did it without doing wrong. Lord, can we just say thank you for your son. Thank you for loving us enough. You, you, you could have left us in our sin. You could have destroyed this whole race. We'd all be in eternity and somewhere besides heaven chose to love us and chose to become one of us and you chose to absorb our sin into your own person and you chose your son to bear the judgment and penalty for all of our sin for that sir thank you and I stand before and I sit before the people whoever's watching online or in the room and I I just want to say thank you for forgiving my sin every single one Things I've done that I knew were wrong, and I did it anyway. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for forgiving me of sin. All the sins I committed up till the time I was I was born again, and Jesus came into my life. And all of the sins I've committed since then. Thank you for your grace and mercy and forgiveness and cleansing. And Lord, none of us can take uh, take for granted anything we have in life. Everything we have is the grace of God. Our health is the grace of God. Our spiritual life is the grace of God. Anything we own is the grace of God. Any ability we have to have any need met is the grace of God. So thank you so very, very much, sir. We live in the greatest nation on the earth, but our nation is in great peril. So Lord, we stand between the living and the dead. And Lord, we stand before you as your people. And Lord, we, we pray and, and we humble ourselves. And Lord, we mingle our prayers with millions that are praying now for this nation because we're on a precipice of change. And and, and we're gonna determine the the next, next while, we'll determine the next years. So, oh God, we pray and ask forgiveness for all of the ills and sins, faults and failures of this great nation. Lord, I ask you to forgive us for worshiping all of these other things and setting you aside and using your name as a byword. Forgive us dear Father God for flaunting the blessings and expecting that you owe them to us. Lord we stand in the gap and ask forgiveness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father God have mercy on the United States of America. Lord lead us through this time. We ask in the name of Jesus that your righteousness would prevail. That your purposes would prevail. No one comes to any office in governing power without your without your assent and your sovereignness allowing it whether they're good or whether they're bad you have to allow it so dear father god we commit ourselves to you as we're going through this national time and lord as we go further into that and there's uh, i see i feel the demonstrations in the street i feel the discord that is coming. Let your grace and your protection be upon us, your people. And Lord, let us be the salt and let us be the light that you have called us to be. Lord, let us not be those that cause discord and tumult and aggravation and dissent. But Lord, let us be the peacemakers and let us point people to our Savior from whom all blessings flow. Thank you for who you are. We ask you to grant our request, sir, in the name of Jesus. Lord, grant the United States. Lord, in my heart, I want to say grant us some years here. Grant us some years to get our priorities in order. Grant us some years, sir, for us as believers to really get back to seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Grant us some years to prepare for the persecutions that are yet to come. Lord, grant us some years to go from self-fulfillment to from self to God-centered living in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for your grace on every home, on every family here at Victory Church and in the kingdom of God worldwide. Lord, let your grace be on your people as we're going through this tremendous time of reorganization, structure, and change. Jesus is coming back. Lord, point our eyes toward You. And Lord, help us to get our focus off of ourselves and off of the immediate. And Lord, let us see the future that we have with You. And Lord, give us grace to lead others into the path that we're walking with You in, in Jesus' name. Dear Father God, as, as Victory Church here, as we celebrate among our families and our friends, Lord, I ask You to grant us grace to humble ourselves before you. Grant us the grace to to never take for granted anything that life has given us. It all comes from your hand. Lord, grant us your protection. Grant us your favor. Grant us your wisdom. Enable us, dear Father God, to walk in, in love and to be at peace and to minister peace to others as we go through this challenging time that's ahead of us. We just give thanks in Jesus' name.